Would you like to have a roll in the hay? It's fun. Roll, roll, roll in the hay. Roll. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to the 32nd episode of Cult Following, podcast brought to you live in living color from Tempe, Arizona from the fine folks who bring you Cult Classics AZ every month. If you're in the metro Phoenix area, check us out at cultclassicsaz.com because we always have fun, awesome screenings going on that you can be a part of. And... If you enjoy checking out fun esoteric things like film reviews, articles on film culture, and the archives of this lovely podcast, find us at cultfollowing.co. Subscribe to us on iTunes at cultfollowing and give us a review that helps our rankings and helps us move up in the film reviewing world. I'm one of your three hosts for this fine edition, Victor Marino, along with our engineer, Adam Rukowski. Meow. And our resident metalhead, Kirby. So this edition, aside from looking at some of the things we've been watching lately, because we've been watching a lot of movies, folks, and we're just going to go right into it. We're going to be talking a little bit about film foundations. Some of those movies that uh, you should just know. Because last week, on our 31st episode, our last edition of Cult Following, there were some movies that none of us had seen that seemed kind of essential. So we're going to be talking about little homework assignments we handed out, the movies that each of us had to watch. I had to watch Young Frankenstein because, shockingly, folks, I had never seen that movie. And Adam had never seen what lovely movie? Houseu. Houseu from 1977. And what had you never seen before? Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. I'm literally looking at the uh, poster right now. Uh, right in Adam's lovely studio here. Yeah. So we all have a collective shame that we rectified, and we'll be talking about it. But in the meantime, we've all caught a lot of movies, so we'll start the round robin. Kirby, what movies did you watch in the, since the last outing we had? Hmm, I caught up on a few here. I'm always forgetful. Once you guys start talking, it'll jog my memory. Um, I can definitely start off, and I don't know if you guys saw it as well this weekend, but I did see 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yep, I saw it. Adam? Okay. Well, good to know. Not a lot to spoil, though, really. I did not, not really. see it. Okay. Well, yeah, there's really not much to spoil, um, but um, I really feel like... If- I heard that it's a really good Twilight Zone episode. Yes. Yes. It, it would 100%. totally... It totally feels like an overlong anthology episode. Yeah, i like to see it. Yeah, it also really reminded me of, uh, there was a movie, I think I talked about when Brian Polito was here, because I saw it at uh, one of the very old International Horn Sci-Fi Fest, it was a film called Shelter. I saw it there, one of the uh, old fear cons, I, I really can't remember, but um, it was basically that film uh, with the Cloverfield um, elements in it, um, uh, The what ties it to the original film. Without really spoiling it, it's... The things that tie it to Cloverfield are very surface level. Oh, yes, very much. And that's that's kind of what I mean. The meat of the movie, the bulk of the running time, is very similar to this this film, Shelter, which is basically about a guy who is keeping a woman captive because he says there's an apocalypse yeah. outside. So um, 
once Adam watches this, I would like to talk about it a little more, sure. just because I'd like to talk about John Goodman's character in this movie. Yeah. I definitely, I saw Roseanne got, is at least the second season I think is on Netflix. I'm like, I don't know if I can watch it right now. Yeah. Dan kind of scared the shit out of me. Like, I'm I'm kind of kind of done for a bit with that, but yeah. um, he, he did a great job. I mean, a, a great cast for, I mean, three basically well, um, starring parties, so. From what I'd read, the guy who directed this movie, Dan Trachtenberg, uh, originally was a completely different uh, movie called The Cellar. Yes, I did read that too. And uh, so everything up until a certain point, and you can kind of tell when it happens, was a separate movie. Then they added like a coda. And you can tell when it happens. And uh, I don't know. I I almost think it could have worked without that coda. I do too. I really think it actually would have been a very effective um, uh, horror film or even less of a horror film as much as a suspense film. Yeah. Very much um, because it's not particularly gory or um not a lot of profanity mm-hmm. no real sex you know it's it's a you know overall but in terms of terror and i want to distinguish that from fear, yeah because the thing it is was movies there. like this like it, where it's kind of like confined to one location can get boring really quickly if there's not a lot of uh good acting going on and there is so yeah. what else did you see um i saw room oh with uh, room. brie larson yes uh room which excuse me i didn't know much about it all um i definitely didn't know it was based on a book but obviously when i started watching i realized it was um it's basically a loose adaptation not only of the book but obviously the events were inspired by the jc dugard kidnapping yeah which i followed because it happened when i lived in um northern california um because the issue was found in antioch outside the bay area and it was it's you know a very sad very sad film um, it kind of reminded me of there was a movie years ago called um, with uh, was it Chris and Scott Thomas? I want to say it's called I Loved You for So Long, and I saw that and it kind of reminded me in spots of that as well. Um, and I really enjoyed that film and I really like Room. I um, I you know I think the best part. I mean, you know, kind of the one thing I liked about it was that you expect the whole film to play out, um, in just the room and that's going to be the uh, story and then either she's going to escape or she's not without spoiling anything mm-hmm. but I will say again trying not to spoil anything I mean it's really only a portion of the movie maybe the first 35-40 minutes and then the rest of the story is what happens after and I mean it's it's really intense in a lot of parts and um, great performances especially by her the kid definitely deserves a uh, I, I'm so sorry. I don't remember the actress name, but definitely deserves a lot of praise for his role. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a good one. Um, other than that, uh, I'll wrap up the newer stuff I watched. Um, I watched, I, I'm not a sports guy. I don't watch any real sports. I grew up with baseball. That's about it. I mean, I was always into ex- like BMX and skateboarding and stuff. Um, and uh, so, but I really enjoy the uh, 30 for 30 documentary series. Um, and a lot I've of them, seen a few of those. Yeah, and a lot of them get added to Netflix. I mean, you don't have to be into sports to enjoy them because they're just so well told. There's really interesting stories. And one of them was um, the story of the 1985 Chicago Bears who won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, that's on Netflix Yeah, now. it just got added recently. And um, it's really, really, um, uh, you know, harrowing in a lot of parts and very enjoyable to watch. Um, um, you know, like I said, I don't usually like them, but... Um, the, there's been so many great 30 by 30 for 30 episodes I've watched. 
Um, I can't even name them all, but I would say the Bo Jackson one's probably my favorite because I grew up with him as well. It's just crazy how he's basically been forgotten by all of history. Um, but uh, the I kind remember of, his commercials. Oh yeah, everybody knows Bo knows, <laughs> but um, you know, but he was just such an icon. I mean, it's it's interesting how like Mike Tyson stayed very relevant, but Bo Jackson's kind of faded away. But in the film, you realize Bo's still very active. I mean, he he was taken out by a really debilitating injury. Otherwise, he probably would be considered one. I mean, he's really the only guy who's ever played two sports actively and been successful in both. And all I can say is, man, watching him break bats over his head and thigh is just insane. He's just a beast. I mean, and just such a nice and affable guy. But the kind of companion piece to that where I was going to lead off to is, besides watching the A5 Bears thing, is I watched the um, movie Concussion. Oh, okay. Which... um, you know, I'd heard a lot of good things about it. It's kind of like a, I had mentioned on the last one, I saw Creed. Again, I enjoy a good sports drama. And this is more of almost like, a, you know, medical drama. And it is, because almost all the doctors in this, like, are actually real people. In fact, um, I don't know, for those of you guys who follow wrestling, uh, there's this one wrestler, Daniel Bryan, who lives out here in Phoenix. And um, he had to retire because he'd had so many concussions that the WWE's doctor in, in charge of concussions wouldn't clear him. He's actually one of the doctors who's somebody plays him in concussion. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy. Uh, I'm not as as big uh, of uh have as much knowledge as Victor does, but I've uh, recently reconnected with my wrestling roots over the last couple of years. And, I mean, when you read a lot of the background stuff on it, a lot of these cases, I mean, obviously – um, recently, the CM Punk kind of what he's been talking about a lot, and obviously the huge controversy about Chris Benoit. But it's it's really interesting stuff. And um, but what I found, I mean, I will definitely give it up to Will Smith. He does a great job mm-hmm. in this movie. He really, um, I, he just plays the character very well. I haven't, I don't think it was in a Will Smith film I've really really enjoyed probably since Pursuit of Happiness. Mm-hmm. I just don't think of him much anymore in films. And this is one that really kind of came back. And um, just great cast all around. And, um, yeah, I really enjoy uh, enjoyed this one. Um, definitely for, especially for the medical knowledge and the history. And just realizing more than anything else without, obviously, it's not nothing to spoil, but how monolithic the NFL is and how much sports plays into the importance of, uh, American culture for so many people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, other than that, um, I've never watched Needful Things. I've been on a Stephen King yeah. kick lately. I've actually never seen that movie. I read the book right when it came out. It was one of the last Stephen King books I remember reading. Besides, I think Green Mile is the last the one, one I read. I'm trying to remember. Is that the one with like Max von Sydow, Sydow and yeah, Ed Harris? Yeah, yeah, and it's a really bad adaption of yeah. the uh, the the book. Is so much better and that i mean obviously is a common thing but um and then i'll say the the last couple heroes is that um speaking of wrestling i watch a lot of youtube stuff i enjoy like original content creators and there's a guy i've actually been watching i pretty much just binging a lot of his videos but there's a guy he does uh his name is brian zane he does wrestling with regret spelled w-r-e-g-e-t and he basically just t- kind of talks about like some of the worst. It's kind of like there's a great site, Wrestle Crap, um, that has a lot of really mm-hmm. funny kind of stuff, but also a lot of, touches on a lot of like sad or serious points. And um, I just really enjoy his, his candor, and um, you know, he's just a, he's just an interesting guy. But I, I like his take on stuff, so I've been watching a lot of that. 
And then other than that, like I said, I'm sure I'll remember the seven or eight other films I watched, and I just can't remember off the top of my head. But mm-hmm. um, best thing I've seen is that uh, on Friday I went and saw Cannibal Corpse. I haven't seen him play since 2009. They killed. And then um, Obituary was amazing. I haven't seen them in 22 years. Wow. Now, in fact, that was my first death metal show in 1994 with uh, Napalm Death, and actually Machine had to open that show. That was right about the time Burn My Eyes was released. And then um, I've actually never gotten to see Cryptopsy after being a fan for 16 years. And they absolutely are amazing. Their new EP is incredible. So, And uh, I'm really surprised Club Red did not get the uh, um, fire marshal called. Because there had to have been well over 100, 150 people over capacity in there. Jeez, wow. It was absolutely packed. But um, lots of fun. Other than that, um, I... Uh, I'm rushing to actually. I never finished Daredevil, so I'm trying to rush to finish that because I really want to see the second season. It does oh, yeah, get so better as it 18. goes along. Yep. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna try to binge that one out and finish that too. So, Adam, Adam. what <laughs> movies? What movies have you been watching? I go beyond movies. This better not be about Fuller House again either, because to be man, fair, I end up did, starting looking yeah. up all this TGIF stuff after our last one. In fact, I sent Victor and Emma a picture of the. Uh, uh, updated cast photo yeah, of EW, yeah, like, Entertainment, Entertainment Weekly, yeah. and uh, there was definitely some mortification. Yeah, the first on. episode of that show is just like nostalgia overload. It's bad on Fuller House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just you know it just throws yeah. into its thing that it's going into. And it's I didn't even thing. bother watching after that. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> Adam is a man at least not stronger so, yeah. stature than us. Yeah, you know, I there's something that I saw in uh, one of my the Facebooky feeds. You probably already know this, but Clown, one of your favorite movies from last year, it comes out on VOD. Comes out on, on Friday. VOD on yep, Friday. I actually um, just bought too. Uh, Amazon uh, Deutschland actually has released a limited steelbook edition, so I'll have that one. And then, yeah, I guess VOD is coming out, but I guess a physical release is coming. So, uh, yeah, it was my favorite movie list last year, um, 2015. So. Um, I hope it finds a wider and bigger audience because it really deserves it. It's one of the best. It should have been released theatrically. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been a huge hit, but I don't know. So uh, I was talking, or I, I, when I went to work yesterday, my boss like grabbed me and like pulled me into the office. Um, and there are charges pending now uh, <laughs> because of what happened. No, wait. Yeah, he said, "Oh, I was thinking about you the other day because I was I was driving through Chandler." And the Alamo Draft House is starting to be built. Yes, I heard about that too. That the so like the is like up. the uh, like the girders and the facade and everything. You know, it says you know coming soon and all that. So Ann and I have yet to. We want to just try and kind of drive out there and see what the what the progress is like. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, let's see. So as far as stuff that I saw, oh, on uh, Kirby, on your recommendation, or just how you were glowing about it, I saw Sisters. I wouldn't say I was glowing, but. Well, you I were. Thought you, was, you thought, I thought it, was, it was. It was funny. Yeah, amusing. It was right? worth a watch. Yeah, for no, me. I thought it was funny. Okay, I like the nostalgic value of it. Totally. Um, you know the 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 age of the you know the 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 girls were you know around the same as me. So things that they were referencing or things that they were doing or things that they were feeling, I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. I don't know if anybody, um, you know, in a, like younger generations would necessarily understand it. Or relate to it as much, maybe. Um, I saw the unrated version, so it, parts of it seemed really long to me. Um, maybe the jokes went a little too far, but I don't know if. But yet again, that's 
kind of how modern comedies are now where it's that uncomfortable uh just too long of of playing with the joke or playing against each other or, or riffing it or whatever and keeping it in the movie do you know what I mean? Is that kind of how you felt about yeah, it? I don't know which version improv, you saw. Probably. Yeah, there's I, I haven't seen that raid. I saw it theatrically, so I can't say whether it was it was it might have been, but during the film there's a few things. Uh, it started off slow. The first fifteen, twenty minutes I didn't really enjoy. It took a while for me to pick up obviously once they got home and the party kind of started. The party is obviously the centerpiece and mm-hmm. the bulk of the film, but the um it's definitely the minor characters for me, the um one I actually did laugh about. So I guess I did think it was funnier. But uh, the piece with the um, the nail salon with the Heywan oh, yeah. part, yeah. I literally still laugh about sometimes. It's just so well done. And then uh, I'm going to say it again wrong. Uh, dude from SNL who plays right. the... Who was like the joke guy. Yeah, class clown guy. Class clown yeah, guy. he kills it in that that role i mean because he does he plays oh sure it, now you motherfuckers laugh like, yeah, yeah he plays it so straight like so th- just like that kind of guy so it worked well uh hell and back is on netflix has this popped up in anyone's i don't know what, what it is it's it just um popped up in the new releases and i had to watch it because it's uh it's a claymation hour and a half movie about two guys that work at a carnival uh find uh like a necronomicon type book oh that sounds interesting um i did see the trailer for this it's um kind of like a beavis and bud south park kind of comedy you know what it reminded me of is more of kind of like it i think it was the it felt like the people that did moral oral oh did you ever watch moral oral i did that was it's like the evil version of uh the Davy and Goliath. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, what is it? Dino Stoppanopoulos. I can't remember who the director, the writer, yeah. the main writer was for that. And he did a lot. He was on. He was did a lot of stuff with Mr. Show and um, yeah. You know, Bob Odenkirk is also in in uh, Helen Back as well. So as the devil, uh, I liked it. I it's getting like really poor reviews, like star reviews on Amazon or I mean on um, Netflix, but. Uh, but I'm such a big fan of Moral Oral and, and Dino and the guys that mm-hmm. do all that claymation stuff. And, uh, you know, it's it's rude, it's crude, it's simple, it's, you know, at times it's it's funny. But I love the, the claymation, it's really good. Well, on the little Nicky scale of hell movies, like how hellish was it? Enjoyably hellish? Enjoyably hell, hellish. Hell, hell. <laughs> I don't, put I don't it somewhere down there. The... I consider Lick, Little Nicky to be hell, hell. Okay. So, yeah. Mm. I actually watched Little Nicky for the first time all the way through maybe about a month ago. Uh, I kind of regret it. I mean, there's really nothing... It's regrettable. ...special about it. Yeah. Um, I liked Helen Back because I, I like Claymation, and I like so I said, I, I missed you know, new episodes of uh, Moral Oral, and so it was happy to kind of see that kind of that structure and feel come back into it and then they could just be completely disgusting and rude because you know it's it's not on television i got a ps4 for my birthday that's kind of awesome yeah so i got uh star wars battlefront which is awesome a little bit shallow but awesome because it's star wars hello uh, and then uh, mortal kombat xl which has all the skins. That includes the alien that has oh, it's Jason, Leatherface, Leatherface, uh, and a couple other whatever. Blah 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 blah. Um, we, I've been playing that on the big screen outside. 
Uh, Anne's been kicking my butt. She is an awesome button masher. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like no defense against it. Are you I don't sure know she's not studying the move sets? No, I, now you can have them pop up. You never know. She could Dude, be Anne's playing. pretty smart. So yeah, yeah, it could be sharking me. Well, I didn't. I didn't even know it was your birthday. I feel really bad. I remember it was around this time. So consider that book. I actually just got you as a actual yeah, that's birthday awesome. present. Mm-hmm. And I'll get you something else too. Because now <laughs> I feel bad. But I didn't ask anybody to do anything. So uh, I can... that that was it for as far as what I what I've been seeing lately. I I want to say there are two trailers that came out since last time that we were together. Uh huh. Do you want to go over those now? I'm sure what trailers were they? I'm so assuming Civil War is one of them. Civil War is oh, yeah, the yeah. big one. So uh, what did what did you think? Because the first Civil War trailer for me, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, you know, it's another doodad thing with like they're all fighting and whatever. But now we got to see, you know, what half a second of Ant Man jumping through whatevers, and then we finally got to see the new Spider Man. Yeah, I mean, I was already all in because I really liked. Um, Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and it's the same people writing and, and directing it, the Russo brothers. Right. Um, and they know how to handle a big cast of characters because they wrote and directed... No, they directed most of the episodes of the of Community, which is one of my favorite shows. So, like, all the paintball episodes and stuff. So I expect a lot of... Paintball action? No, a lot of cool... They cool know how to do banners. Oh, okay. Banner and all that. So, um... I think it's interesting that we're still calling it a, a you know, uh, not an Avengers movie because literally it has every Avenger except for Thor and Hulk in there. Right. So that's a little funny to me. Um, I I like the look of the new Spider-Man costume. It's totally the Silver Age Spider-Man outfit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's cool that uh, they did uh, the animated yeah, he's eyes. Got the Daredevil eyes. Well, no, no, the Deadpool eyes. Or Deadpool eyes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But like if on the high res pictures they posted online, they're like it's because the, the eyes are mechanical. So like even if you rewatch the trailer, there's a little whirring noise when they squint. Yeah, yeah. So it looks interesting. Yeah, yeah. I definitely. I mean, I thought they did a good, a better. I agree with Adam on that. The first trailer was kind of eh, yeah, it's what I expected, and then this one got me a little bit more ramped up and in, you know excited for it. Which like I said, I just I just don't have much enthusiasm anymore for comic book films i just don't i don't mean i mean there's very very few films i'm like wow god i can't wait to see that deadpool was one of them and then for this this is the other big one for me this year mm-hmm. um so far at least i've seen a trailer for me like batman versus superman yeah i'm gonna go see it but i'm not like it's not when i watch the trailer am i excited at, yeah. the way i am for something like civil war no the spidey thing for me is is that yeah i feel the ama- the two reboots, the amazing one and two, uh, were nothing uh, uh, in the vein of amazing. But I also, I I truly think that Spider Man as a character, people go if we just did this, this, and this, it's all gonna work out cinematically. And I just just don't think it does. I mean, I think Spider Man two probably did one of the best bridges for that mm-hmm. between comic book justice and fan service and actual. Um, filmmaking for like the general audience but I just don't think um, I, I'm more interested in the idea that they're co- coming back to like doing a Venom offshoot and kind of building their own I'm more interested in that idea than I am on seeing any more Spider-Man films I'd rather have him as a guest character than as a feature player anymore personally I just, you got it my whole thing with it is I'm not a big Spider-Man fan I didn't I like the character that much growing up so I don't have like the same kind of affection I think a lot of people have. Like I always kind of thought he was obnoxious 
and it kind of explains why I'm not a huge Daredevil comic book character fan either. Although I really like the the the, the Deadpool movie. I'm sorry, I said Daredevil. Yeah, Deadpool. it's kind of like huh? yeah, yeah. I'm not a huge Deadpool fan, um, but it, it's I'm gonna see that movie anyway. It to me, it's like the, it's an interesting thing because I think. A lot of people are excited to see Captain America because of Spider-Man. I'm, like, interested to see it because of, like, the main conflict. And Spider-Man, if he wins me over, cool. Um, I wish I was more excited about Batman versus Superman because, like, DC characters, especially Batman, are, like, my jam. And, like, I haven't been excited by, like, any one of the trailers to the movie. So I'm hoping once I actually see the movie that, like, that might be a good thing. Like, you know, I'll be pleasantly surprised. I'm seeing it on Monday, and I'll have the review of it up on cultfollowing.co on Tuesday at 7. So if you guys want to know right from the get-go, check it out there. But yeah. So wait, what, Superman v. Batman? Yeah, Batman v. Superman. I'm watching it on Monday, and we'll What's have it, a review up in, on Tuesday. It's interesting to me. They just did a big article I saw on, um, you know, obviously the success of Deadpool, which just crossed, I think, $400 million domestically. And they were basically saying that a lot of... Um, you know, Deadpool's made more money now than the first Avengers did smooth, because yeah. of the budget. Ju- budget night, um, and uh, they were talking about that. And then you know, it's kind of like you know, people are watching Batman versus Superman to see how it does because the belief is for D- at least DC ish and stuff, as well as the low budget thing, is that Suicide Squad is the one that's going to deliver. Suicide Squad is the DC movie I'm excited for this yeah. year. Is um, but it's it's really about the smaller budgets. Yeah. But with having still as much excitement and energy and stuff, but just not these giant my whole set thing, pieces. Yeah, a few uh, like uh, a year ago, um, there was an animated movie. It was like a Batman Assault on Arkham. And it was basically a Suicide Squad movie in disguise that had Batman in it. Suicide Squad is pretty much like the flip of that. It's a Suicide Squad movie that has Batman in it, Batman in it, and they're not really playing that up at all. They did in the first trailer, the one from San Diego, but all the other ones have like de-emphasized Batman being in it to like the latest ones don't even show him in it. Yeah, I think it's kind of the the one thing obviously I look at is is that. You know, the, the yin and yang to me is it's funny because there's a companion person for that individual, but it's like the yin and yang of obnoxiousness is is Deadpool and Harley Quinn. Yeah. Where it's it's obviously the most in your face kind of thing. It's just this it's one of those ones, but I mean like still watching the trailer, I was like, Ah, it looks really good. Like yeah. this looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun still. So is that the other was there another trailer you want to talk about? Oh yeah. Let's what hear was it. The other then. One? Ghostbusters. Oh, oh, that is true. Actually, yeah. you are right. We didn't talk about that. It hadn't been released yet. Oh, um, I'll let you guys go. It was on like that. the. It was. The, like, I like the that. Day, like, it was the day after yeah. we recorded our last podcast because we said, "Oh, well, you know, blah blah blah, blah Ghostbuster, blah blah." blah. It's a Paul Fag movie, so I, I expect it to be pretty much just like Bridesmaids, kind of like physical humor and like a lot of like improv banter. Um. I do think it's interesting that even that, that it's like a reboot, but like you can pretty much tell which character each of them is playing. Mm-hmm. Like Melissa McCarthy is clearly being Ray and um, Leslie, I forget what her last name is. Um, she's being Winston, clearly. And we know the, the what's her, Kate McKinnon is being Egon. But then Kristen Wiig is not playing the Venkman, uh, Peter Venkman. There's no Peter Venkman character. It's like they just split up Egon between two of them. So it'll be interesting to kind of see the dynamic. Um, I do like that there's very clearly 
a CG, uh, CGI Slimer that looks exactly like Slimer from the real Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. So that's cool to me. Um, and from what I understand, he has a big part in it. So, like, I'm all for more Slimer. Because I grew up watching that cartoon. So. I, lo- I love sure, yeah. the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. As long as there isn't an ecto-cooler reboot. Oh, I like, will say spot, from the trailer, cool. the thing that looks really stupid to me is the fact that the the ghost can possess people. And then there's like a full-on exorcist head twist. And I'm like, oh, that's cheesy. But A lot of people have said that it's... um. Somebody was like, oh, this looks exactly like the first two Scooby-Doo movies. Like, if you think The thing is, ghosts on film have looked exactly the same forever. They're, you're not reinventing the wheel. Well, and, and I think in the children's realm, yes. In other yeah. films, I, th- I think there's a, a great It's that kind of spectral glowing thing. It's So I'm not going to fault this movie for that. So I'm like, I'm, I'm just keeping my mind open because it's going to be its own different thing. I, w- I have seen spoilers as to who the villain of this movie is, which makes me think that this is just basically riffing off the cartoon more. Come than... on, Cthulhu. No. Oh. But, like, it, it's very much like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Like, they're really taking a lot from the cartoon versus the movie. And I think that'll be interesting. Ooh, what if Harold Ramis comes back from the dead and he's, like, the main ghost that is just trying <laughs> to stop the Ghostbusters yeah. reboot? I like oh, I said I don't have like a problem with an original reboot. If they're trying something different, it's better than at least they're not calling themselves wanna... like the same names and everything. I'm I'm totally open to this. Is it Boogie? What? Is it the Boogeyman? Boogie? It's, you all right, have you seen do you, you remember the intro of the original Ghostbusters cartoon where it's the actual like animated like the the no ghost the, ghost? Not ghost. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, from what I could see from all the stuff from Toy Fair, the no-ghost ghost is the villain. Like, it's like a Stay puff kind of thing. I was really hoping yeah. it was going to be the old woman who was the Volkswagen Beetle in the no. toy line. If it wasn't going to be Cthulhu I, they, or it, Boogie. My whole thing is, if they did a, a, if they went full on, I would love it if they used the Samhain character from the real Ghostbusters. Because he was really freaky on there, but... That's just me. So many good episodes. We'll have to do on another one. Yeah. I know it's premature, and I shouldn't make any judgment. It's I, too early to do it. it. There's is, no but, clips at all, you know? Uh, sort of. I'm just... Maybe I'm a little bit fed up with modern humor movies. I know it's Paul Feig, and I know, you know, with... I, I think I even mentioned this back when we were talking about um, the interview, mm-hmm. where I just... I'm very tired of, of modern comedy techniques and mm-hmm. approaches um where they take a joke and you you know it usually it, it used to be in threes you do everything in threes now it's like doing things in threes skip to fives skip to sevens skip to nines before everybody's kind of uncomfortable with it's almost uncomfortable laughter you laugh because these long pauses or an escalation of uh, descriptive banter or something. I mean, I guess I kind of don't see it just because I've seen so many of these movies that like they just it's so much of it is improv. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Can't they just write a script and like stick to it instead of feeling like th- the characters are are kind of reaching or grabbing for something mm. within the scene? 
It doesn't bother anybody else? Either, yeah, no, no really. I mean, I really like, I know what you're like, talking Chris, about. Chris I, Hemsworth I, thing where he's sitting there and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, the boobs or whatever. Isn't this great? Or blah, blah, blah. blah, blah, blah and everyone's kind of like... Blah, 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 blah. Mm. It's just kind of this All I can say for me in the end is, is that it's in the... You know, I remember a time which I used to find trailers to be very memorable. And now I couldn't tell you. Like, it all blurs together for me. To me, because, like, what's the one I saw... Like, I'm not excited at all, really, about Star Trek Beyond, but I will say it doesn't tell me anything about the movie, but it has a lot of action set pieces. I'm like, okay, that's cool, at least. You're not spoiling the movie for me, you know? So I like trailers like that rather than one that tells me the entire movie. I do feel like the new Ghostbusters trailer is telegraphing too much of the plot for you. So that's I just uh, my whole thing is is that that was that was I agree on that 100% just in the sense that I am very very tired of um you know this isn't 1960s or 70s where people used to watch trailers and you had to remember it cuz there was yeah. no way to rewatch it really. So people that's the thing with films. I mean that's why um you know uh, adaptations and photo novels and stuff were so big in that yeah. time period especially for cult movies is because people just really wanted to revisit them. I mean, that was a huge thing for me as a kid. I, I have a huge collection of them now. Mm-hmm. But it's um one of those things where, um you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of mystery left in the world. And people mm-hmm. don't want there to be. And I don't like that. I wish there was more. Um, not necessarily always mystery, but just some kind of... Something to look forward to. I think people are just, I, I got to know it all. I have to know it everything because I got to be one step ahead, everyone, without cakewalking too much or getting on a tangent as I usually do on my soapbox. Yeah. But I really think that that's um, affected films, I guess. as I agree with you on Adam. I do think some of the comedy has reached a point where I'm like, okay, it's also where I feel like a lot of films are reaching for a soundbite or a catchphrase. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, a sitcom. Like, Oh, we got to get you in on something. Well, it's because they're trying to make it go viral. That's well, yeah, that's why I guess is yeah, the, that's a yeah. way better summation. I mean, I can't even tell you how many hundreds of different ways I've seen that half second clip of Spider Man over the weekend. From- yeah, well, then it enters meme territory. Yeah. You know, it's like when you still frame something to the point that it's like, okay, yeah, I got it. But um, yeah, it, it's true. I mean, with Ghostbusters and stuff. I'm going to give it a shot just as much, but it is mm-hmm. funny that one of the first things I actually really did think was the Scooby-Doo thing is what it reminded me of. I, I just thought it was going to be a lot um, – not dark at all. I didn't think that. I thought it was no, going to be way more lighthearted, but I just – with the comedic element really ratchet up because I think the original Ghostbusters – I was scared of it as a kid. Mm-hmm. But the library scene terrified me when I was like mm. a young kid just because I wasn't expecting it. I mean, the first time I saw it. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it at all. And I hadn't watched many horror movies at the time. I was six. So, I mean, it was it was really uh, – oh, my God. Like, I thought this was a movie for kids. It was like seeing the thriller video for the first time. Yeah. The opening with the wolf. Well, that's the whole the thing. I can't really tell what the target for this movie is specifically because it does start with, like, you know, the prologue and the piano Ghostbusters theme and a shot of the firehouse. When you're watching the trailer, their headquarters is not the firehouse. It's a Chinese restaurant. You know, so I'm kind of like, okay, nostalgia, who's this for? I don't, you know, I guess well, obviously we'll see. for everybody. 
nostalgia-wise, from what you've been saying about what's kind of been leaked potentially, yeah. it's trying to cover all those bases. Because yeah. I do think there are people who are going, I wonder if there's going to be any nods to the extreme Ghostbusters. And I'm like, well, okay, now we're really reaching. <laughs> but then that has a huge fan base, too. Yeah. So it's totally possible. Any who's, yeah. Uh, what else did you catch up with, Victor? Um, I saw a bunch of stuff lately. Um, I saw House of Cards Season 4. Uh, which is really good, actually. Um, a big improvement over the lackluster season three. Definitely worth watching. Um, I would, I would think so. They, I think they realized season three went ended kind of badly, but um, they brought in Joel Kinnaman as the Republican challenger for uh, Kevin Spacey's character. Um, and he's kind of an asshole and Joel Kinnaman is the guy who he was in Homeland and he played RoboCop in the RoboCop reboot. Um, and they had some interesting storylines going on. Um, I think a lot of stuff in there. I was had to, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to wrap my head around that when you said the RoboCop reboot, I totally forgot that they remade RoboCop. Yeah. I'd like my, my mind was blank. I was thinking the TV show. Uh, what do you mean? Like RoboCop three, when they brought in that other guy to play RoboCop. Oh, that was weird. It yeah. was weird. Sorry, my brain. The just thing went is, a it's weird. a it's a really forgettable reboot, and we talked about that, like you know, when we first started the podcast, how like it could, it was saying the the reboot was doing some interesting stuff about drones, and then just fuck yeah. the duck. Okay. Right. Sorry, um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and then um, what else? Uh, I've been watching this uh this cartoon on um, Cartoon Network called Three Bear Bears, and it's really good. Like, it's about these, like, uh, three bears called, like, Grizzly, Panda, and Ice Bear. And they're, like, adventures. And um, it's not like... It's, like, it's really cool because it's kind of, like... It's one of the first cartoons I've seen that really feels like it's all ages. Like, um, I think it's just because kind of, like, the people involved. Like, Charlene Yee is one of the characters. And, like, everybody involved is, like, people you recognize from indie movies. And they're like, like some of them are just like cute, but then like there's some where like we're watching, we're watching this one where they like it had them as like babies, and there's one that, and they're just like there's a fire going on at the end. It's like, oh man, this was like really touching, and then the next one is just totally funny. Mm-hmm. So like I really enjoyed it. It was like a really good throwback, and that's like on Voodoo, and I guess the second season just started now on um, on Adult Swim. You so. said Charlene Yee. I was like, oh, does Michael Sarah guest star as Goldilocks? No. It, see, that's the weird thing. It's just like it feels like um, like when um, – what's the the guy who was in The Muppets and was also in oh, Forgetting Jason Sarah? Jason Segel. Yeah, like people who had a love for those kind of cartoons went and did one. Oh. It's not like just hip – like it's like clearly set now because there's like one episode that like makes fun of like – like uber like the pandas getting an uber ride and they, mm-hmm. you know and like all the people like there's one that makes one of pe- the whole it's called tote life and it's all about how like the pandas go to like a store and they're buying like um vegan cookies and then one buys eggs and then the the clerk at the whole foods xb is telling them like why are you getting eggs if you're getting like vegan cookies and then like they like oh can we get a paper bags like bring us a dead tree and then they end up getting like the tote bags because everyone's trying to bully them, to, and then they end up getting thousands of them, and it's really funny. Hmm. So just it's set in the now, just kind of like when you see the the Jetsons, you could totally tell it was the product of the '60s. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. So that was really good. Um, let's see. I saw Don Verdeen, 
which uh, the movie from the latest movie from the guy who did. Um, That's what I mentioned. Last yeah, yeah Gentleman Broncos. Yeah, I thought it was really funny just because I like Danny McBride and I thought Dean Stockwell and Jermaine Clement were funny in it. But it's super dry. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I could imagine somebody watching that and just not getting it at all, you know. Um, and let me see what else. Uh, da, 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 da. uh so I've been reviewing some Blu-rays on uh, Cult Falling. I posted a I ton. I would say of, so. I've been posting a ton of reviews this weekend. So I posted a review for um, Pieces, mm-hmm. uh, the three-disc Blu-ray from Grindhouse releasing the 1982 slasher exploitation movie um so check if you have a puzzle i'll buy it please yeah i didn't i didn't get a puzzle but like when i posted that on oh no i'm asking our audience if you have a puzzle at a reasonable price yeah please basically like there's this whole like drama that came with a puzzle a lot of pieces came with a puzzle yeah diabolic dvd had the exclusive puzzle if you bought it through their site diabolic is one of the best companies in the business but it really i didn't really see it advertised very much. I mean, or I, thought I maybe did, but I Am- thought I would yeah. get it just off Amazon. But, yeah, that's what I thought. Because I know when I ordered the Beyond, I ordered it. I ordered it off of Diabolic, and I got a glow in the dark cover. Yeah, you know? and I just didn't know. I mean, I have some of the ones like I have the Lenticular Cat in the Brain. Yeah, which by the way, it sadly was uh, the twentieth anniversary of the death of Lucio Fulci On yesterday. Yeah. So all hail. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do know they have more, but that's the thing. I'm just having a hard time keeping up with incentives now. Yeah. And that's really the only way you can put them is incentives. So, cool. yeah, but overall it's a really good release. Like the quality of the picture is super good. I also posted a review of, uh, Luther, the geek, uh, the Carlton J Albright, uh, 1990 slasher up on cultfalling.co from vinegar syndrome. They did a super job on it. Um, I did post how, like, the original extras from Troma were, like, super creepy because there's, like, one that has, like, 15 different takes of Stacey Hyduke's shower scene. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, that's the thing people know this movie from, but it was a little, like, weird. Um, but, yeah, overall, it's a really well-done uh, movie from uh, release from Vinegar Syndrome. Um, I saw this new horror movie called They Look Like People. And um, it's a lot. It's a lot like uh, it's low budget, but it reminded me a lot of like Possession, the Andre Zouwalsh movie, and um, like Jacob's Ladder. Like it's it's a cross between those two movies, where like you don't really know what's going on with the protagonist and if you should trust him or not. But um. It just that just hit VOD on Friday. I'm really surprised it didn't get any kind of theatrical release, even though it's from Gravitas Ventures and most of their stuff does go VOD. But usually, Harkins or Film Bar ends up playing their stuff, and this one didn't get a play like a play date out here. And it's a really good movie and really worth checking out. I got a link so you can watch it on the website. So check out the review of They Look Like People. Um, Gravitas and the movie pe- producers retweeted it out. So they thought it was good, and I think it's a good review. Check that you out. You know, and some some things I've noticed take a little while to get to the art houses, even if it is, you know, they say that it's going to be theatrically released and VOD'd on the same mm-hmm. day. Uh, try, there's been a few where it's just been like maybe one theater in California 
for at least like a good month or a month and a half, and then it would kind of trickle to out meet, yeah. uh, a little later. Sag or whatever. Yeah. Standards. Yeah. Yeah. No, this one ended up playing at Arena Cinema in L.A. and Hollywood, and I know it's played a few different places, but usually if it doesn't get a play date out here by the time it hits VOD, it usually doesn't. That's what well, I've noticed. Well, yeah, I guess it depends, though, because yeah. I have scenes that were kind of like Johnny Come Lately's. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited because um, there's this one movie I want to see at Beyond Fest called The Invitation, and um, that's actually going to start playing at the Valley Art on April 8th, and it's like it looks like a culty kind of movie because I like movies about cults. So, Oh, like an actual like cult movie. Yeah. So that that's pretty much all I've been watching, and I got a couple more reviews that I'm gonna post up on cultfollowing.co this week. We're trying Dang. to get trying to get a lot more content up there, you guys, and I think we just got our press credentials too, so we're gonna get be getting a lot more early reviews of movies. So, so then the pressure will be on. <laughs> yeah, well, we just got to start working. The presser will be on. Mm-hmm. Presser. Oh, it's a play. It's a play on words. Yeah, gotcha. But yeah, that's pretty much all I've been all I've watched. Wordplay. Mm-hmm. Some I got gotcha. you. Really into wordplay. Press your press presser. Well, we shouldn't press our luck anymore with that pun. And uh, moving on. <laughs> Knee slapper. I guess we could go straight into like our, you know, main event, main feature of the day, and uh, our whole. You know, film fundamentals. What did we think of these movies that none of us had seen before? So, how should we start this? Who should go? Well, I guess first? individually. Yeah, there were there were some films that were surprising that either myself or Kirby or Victor have not seen. Yeah, uh, I I want to start with the one that I'm most fascinated and just been biting my nails for the last two weeks to know the the answers and the insight too. Which would be Young Frankenstein. Really? Given to Victor Marino. Yeah, no, I watched I watched Young Frankenstein yesterday and I'd never seen it before. Um you know, I, I actually think that it was good for me to wait this long to watch it because I'd talked, I think, not that long ago about how I'd only seen like um Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein last year. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. So basically it worked out because I think if you see those two movies before you see this, you appreciate well, yeah. Young Frankenstein a yeah, lot. Yeah, because that more. yeah, that's where they they borrowed all that yeah, all the satire from. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially like the main the main villain Kemp. Mm-hmm. Like he's a basically also like a big character in um Son of Frankenstein with his, you know, missing arm and everything. Right. So I, I I liked it because I also like this version of Gene Wilder where he's kind of like the weird arrogant control figure or mm-hmm. authority figure like he is in Willy Wonka versus most of the eighties, which he spent as Richard Pryor's sidekick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was really good. Um I didn't know Terry Gar was in this and she's somebody who was in a lot of eighties movies I like that kind of just disappeared into the ether. Right. And uh, Madeline Kahn was really good in this, and I, I, I can't really remember a lot of other movies she's in besides like Clue. Although I feel like there was something <laughs> I saw her in not that long ago, and I was like surprised she was in. Oh, um, this uh, Christmas movie, mix is it Mixed Nuts that has Steve Martin in it? She's in that too. Okay, where 
Is is that the one I'm thinking? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty. Where he sure like works, he him and uh, Tom Hanks' wife run like a suicide hotline. Yeah, it was something like I. It's something I saw a long time ago. Yeah, I think I always think of that like. Uh, I always think too of what's the other. And she gets Schwarz- trapped in an elevator. Schwarzenegger's yeah. one Christmas in Connecticut. Yeah, there were all these weird Christmas movies that came out in like the early nineties that I forget. Yeah, I also thought when you said Terry Gar that I still probably this day get her and Victoria Jackson completely mixed up. <laughs> When oh, I was a funny. kid, like, I had a hard time. Like, I remember seeing – Um, I was a huge, obviously, fan of UHF as a kid. Yeah. And then I also, like, while well, I was considered an under, a, a sincerely underrated movie uh, from the early 90s is Mom and Dad Save the World. Oh, yeah, I remember Which is that. another one where I was like, is that her or her? Like, you know, you'd have to wait for the credits or look at the box because I really couldn't remember. Mom and Dad Save yeah. the World is the one I always get mixed up with Stay Tuned. The Stay Tuned's a great underrated yeah. film, too. Um great score on that one too yeah. so yeah good stuff but uh no i thought it was really good i will say the thing that like i was like actually really weirded out by and like still holds up super well was the guy who plays igor and how his eyes bug out oh yeah i'm like oh my god i can't keep watching that because it's really yeah. freaking me out marty feldman yeah he i think he died not that long ago it's been a while oh okay He's been dead for a while but yeah he was really good um yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It is. It totally is one of those foundation movies because, like, I'm like, oh yeah, that was in The Simpsons. Oh yeah, that was in this. Yeah, there, there's so it's many reference. It's that just it, take yeah. From that, yeah. It's one of those things where I'm like, I felt like I watched it because I've seen it referenced so of, many times. Out of all of Mel Brooks's films, that one has always been my favorite. I do feel that it it it. it, it it was very watchable. Like I thought it was more watchable than Spaceballs, honestly. Agreed. No, I yeah. agree. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Blazing Saddles. No. I, I don't I'm... know why it's never really resonated with me. Young Frankenstein was something that our family would sit down and watch. And we, that yeah. would be like one of our holiday movies that we would watch. No, I could actually see that working as like a cult classic, honestly. Yeah. And th- the other thing, too, is that it's, it's broad enough to where kids can watch it and they and they laugh and they don't get the innuendos yeah and so it the the movie matures as long it adds in the same way that you mature and Mm -hmm. and different jokes mean different things over the years we went to see uh the uh the production of young frankenstein on stage the musical version uh-huh. Uh, when they came through a couple years ago, and I, I took my mom and dad, Ann and I, and then my mom and dad. And my mom, after the show, she's like, "I didn't know it was the movie like that raunchy." I said, well, "Yeah, they, they, you know, the jokes that they had in there were, you know, like really." Oh yeah, like and, you know, what did what did he end up? You know, oh, the monster got your intellect. What did you get? And like, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> like, you know what she's talking about. Right. You know, yeah. but as like, you know, and a seven-year-old, I didn't get half the jokes, but I just liked the, how goofy everyone was being yeah. on the screen. You know, parents laughing at something. So you would laugh at the same time, even though they're laughing for a different reason. Yeah. Then you're laughing. So for for me, that's why it's it's been a fundamental for me for like ever. Yeah. No. So I'm I'm happy I watched it. I thought it was good. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay, let's release the hounds. Kirby. Yes. Um, the Adventures did, of I, Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Yes, I actually um watched it kind of like Victory. I actually watched it last night. Um, it was some late homework, Professor, but um, <laughs> I did um had the cram session with it, and I actually chose um 
I was, you know, obviously looking at the menu and stuff and realized, of course, you can play an extended edition. Yeah. So now one thing I will say is that I've never seen Buckaroo Bonsai because the only time I ever watched it was like the first 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So all I remember, and it obviously starts different in the extended version. I actually like the extended version more. I'll definitely start Mm -hmm. to say that. I thought the backstory portion was really cool. I also totally did not know it was Jamie Lee Curtis till I actually looked it up. Who, Um, playing his mom? Yeah. 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 And it was, um, so it was really interesting stuff. Um, the way it starts off with the backstory and stuff makes it a lot, the opening scene, obviously, of like the test, a lot more sensical that mm-hmm. you realize he's carrying on this work and like that's what's going on and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, so for me, um, that helped a little bit more. As it goes on, I mean, the very first thing I thought was this is totally like a radio serial, like an yeah, old that's time. Purposely yeah, what... what purposely what it was. Um, you could tell without a doubt that that was, um, you know, its goal and intention. And it was the old kind of sci-fi, uh, which if you read a lot of like pulp stuff, where it's very nonsensical because they were creating stuff that no one had ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can look at some sci-fi and they're like, oh, here's the, uh, you know, like a a tricorder or whatever is, you yeah. know, this kind of thing. Or, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of things from a lot of the more mainstream popular series was this kind of goes on its trajectory of like, okay, we're going to make the most out here, out there kind of stuff. Oscillation can, over thruster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That you can possibly make, um, you know, obviously also very campy and stuff. Um, you know, for the first 20 minutes or those so, 30 minutes and stuff, I'd always heard of the comedic elements. See, I didn't find anything funny at this point. In the mm-hmm. the first, it plays much more straight, yeah. like a very much a sci-fi movie. And then obviously the the concert scene happens, and it's like, is everybody happy out there? And I'm like, the hell is going on here? <laughs> and honestly, though, so this is where I'll say here is this is where I'm. You know, obviously, I started really forming my opinion. I thought that scene was actually really funny. Uh, I thought it was actually really enjoyable. It goes so over the top. But then that's for me kind of where it started to go downhill personally is is that it, it and what a lot of people I've read about this film is that people go you know watch it like two or three times the more you watch only the more you'll see in it that's and stuff. kind of like how I develop my my love of the movie yeah. over the years because like why I love that movie the same reasons I love it are why like it would be a really hard sell to screen it at cult classics because. It like it has to kind of grow on you. Yeah, yeah. The tone and, is all over the place. Yeah, too. it's like how I was talking about how like Don Verdine and like if you're like not really paying attention, you're like, what's going on with this movie? Right. If you're not really invested in like with Buckaroo Banzai, you're like, what kind of movie <laughs> is this? It's you know, it's yeah. not as obviously comedic as like Big Trouble in Little China, which like uh, W. D. Richter also wrote. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, and like, and here's the thing, because I W. D. Richter like wrote three of my favorite movies. He wrote Big Trouble in Little China, Buckaroo Banzai, and the 1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, okay, 1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I think, is a really good movie because of Philip Kaufman's really strong directing, and I think John Carpenter got had a really good handle on his script too. W. D. Richter wrote and directed Buckaroo Banzai. I think it was the first movie he did. Yeah. Like, and it maybe that's why it's kind of hard to find the tone exactly you know because it's you could see that movie is straight pulp you know and that's why it's funny but clearly like jeff goldblum and like some are trying to make it funny you know 
So well, yeah, and Jeff Goldblum. So, I mean, one thing too is like, wow, this is oh, huge. and especially um um, Emilio Lazardo, John Lithgow, Lithgow, yeah, 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 yeah. he's totally well, and Lithgow is always yeah. great and stuff as being, yeah, he's the perfect mad comic kind of guy, like, yeah. He can play. He's like such a psychopath looking dude. I remember, I remember even being frightened of him in Harry and the Hendersons, where yeah. he's the loving father. So, um, you know, which by the way, I just found out they're doing a special edition of Raising Cain. I'm excited yeah. to check that out. Shout oh. Factory, Scream Factory's doing. One. But um, oh. a huge cast, obviously, massive amounts of people. It's, you know, definitely keeping an eye out for everybody. It's interesting how Jeff Goldblum was already typecast that early on in his career that he yeah. was. You know, and all the other favorite films of mine and stuff. But, um, you know, the more it went on stuff, like I said, I mean, I kind of just took it was is just a pulp movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, like, I don't know if I can give a fair review of it. I, I honestly, if I was being totally straight, I didn't like it personally very much. But I feel like if I watch it again or maybe a third time, I might feel very different. So, uh, you know, I kind of have to postpone a little bit of my mm-hmm. review to give it its fair fair due. But, I mean, definitely, like, the first round through – um. It's not be. It is definitely all over the place, like huge cross pollination of genres. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, for me, it just felt a little. Actually, I did go back to the pulp thing, not so straight pulp, but that's where I felt it. Actually, its roots are in where mm-hmm. it's it's very fantastic, is the way I describe it. Yeah, it is so completely. Because here's the way you could look at it. Like if you look at Flash Gordon, is that movie deliberately trying to be campy or is it just campy? You know, that's kind of how you have to look at like. Buckaroo Banzai in a way. But the interesting part about Buckaroo Banzai is I didn't find it to be campy as much as – I mean, obviously, some of the costumes and stuff are kind No, no. Of, I'm just saying in sense of, like, that's what people know it for. Yeah. But I don't – I never thought of it when I was watching it as a very campy movie. Yeah. I definitely never thought, like, you know, probably a couple of the – um, you know, uh, uh, when they're, you know, trying to cut them out of the pod when it crash lands or whatever, mm-hmm. the spaceship – you know, obviously it looks very, um, you know, the makeup looks great, but the, the pod, you know, it's like, ah, like get yeah. the paper mache open. <laughs> but it was um where there was a couple like, yeah, there's a couple Ed Wood-like scenes here mm-hmm. and there. But overall, what I felt was, I mean, like, no, this is actually like, kind of a, um, like I think you just said, though, it's like really paying attention. You can't like watch it as a background movie. You have, because there's so much dialogue. There's so much going on. And then they use so many, that's what I'm really getting at the heart is, is that, not sure it's just even a space fantasy but true science fiction but it's kind of almost it's pseudoscience because mm-hmm. it's not in the way a lot of people apply that term but it's that's how science fiction used to be was yeah. really making up for things that didn't exist yet and um there is something like obviously like i said very fantastic in it but when i've heard a lot of people like i said i think that this was the hard part for me above all so is people going you know the comedic elements all these you know great one-liners and in jokes mm. when i watched it I didn't feel that at I've, all. I've never heard of anybody calling it a comedy. No, 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 not a comedy. Comedic elements oh. of it that, or that things that necessarily well, like you might didn't not think be played funny. Like uh, the but, fact that they, that uh, all the aliens project themselves as like Jamaicans was kind of random and comedic. I don't know, man. Christopher Lloyd still scares the hell out of me too, though, man. No, I mean, no, no. I Jim mean the Lipton, good, the good. Eight, no, I know, yeah. I know that. But I was just thinking of that when I was watching. I was like, God, Christopher Lloyd is scary, man. <laughs> He's like Dennis the Menace, yeah. scary in that one. Um, uh, but it was just one of those ones and stuff. Like I said, I, I really want to give it a fair shot, yeah. but I just feel like I can't until I watch it two or three more times. Whereas if I watch something like I Young think, Frankenstein, yeah. I think you had a great preface to say 
you should watch the original Universal Monster movies yeah. first to get a better idea of the source material. Because people watched it in the 70s, those movies were still playing yeah. all the time, whereas mm-hmm. it would be hard to see them now 45 years later. Cause to, so, all right, because here's, here's what I think. I think the more you watch it, like it'll probably fall more in line to how you might like Repo Man. Because in a lot of ways, I feel like Buckaroo Banzai and Repo Man are, like, very similar. I did think of Repo Man. I also thought of the movie The Hidden a couple times. Oh, okay. I can not, kind of not see Not huge, that. obviously, yeah. but just kind of the idea of the, yeah. the um, you know, body swapping, like, posing as yeah. humans. But, um, but I meant, like, in the sense that you could see Repo Man as, like a, like, a comedy, sort of, but not really. You could see it completely straight as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's one of those ones, like I said, I, I really um don't have a definitive opinion. Like I really want to say oh, I didn't like it, but then I'm also kinda like on the offense until I see it a couple more times. But uh I don't know if I want to watch it again anytime soon personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I will again because I wanna give it another try. Yeah. And I think maybe it's actually interesting, I think one of the ways I would like to see it is theatrically. I wish I'd been able to go to Adam's show. I think I would have had more uh, enjoyment then of watching it than um, when, uh, watching it by myself personally. But maybe. one of the cool things I like about um, just to get back to something I was talking about earlier, the Grindhouse releasings, uh, uh, new version of pieces. The one of the track. extras is called the Vine Theater, Theater Experience. Yeah, and what it is it's the movie with all the audio and audience reaction from a screening at the Vine Theater in L.A. Yeah, it was on the Grindhouse DVD, too, and yeah. I thought that was one of the coolest things I'd ever heard. And I really wish like a lot of companies that are reissuing these movies would do that just so you can get more of a feel of it. Because like I mentioned in my review that uh, one of Grindhouse's movies played out here, it was called Gone with the Pope. It's this Duke Mitchell kind of ripoff of The Godfather. Yeah. yeah, and they kidnapped the Pope, and the, the the ransom that he wants is a dollar from every, every Catholic, Catholic in the, the world. world. Yeah. You know, because that's more than anyone would give them. And it's really – and then as they have the, the Pope on this, uh, on yacht. this yacht <laughs> in the great. middle of, like, you know, like the Hudson River or something, he slowly changes the minds of everyone so they release him. And, like, you could see how he was really trying to make it a totally straight movie. And when it played out here in Arizona – at madcap theaters i'm pretty the crowd like did not know how to take this movie at all and they were totally treating it like a totally like serious movie and like i heard people yawning and stuff and then when it played in la totally like that vine theater like you know i want a dollar from every catholic in the world and it was like yeah woo! you know because that's how it played out there and it was like a midnight thing for like a whole year so I think sometimes if you have kind of an idea of how a movie's supposed to play, like an older movie, you'll appreciate it more. You know, to be fair, sometimes it's totally opposite. When I saw The Witch, there was some guy who was like laughing out loud because he hated it, and then finally he got shushed to death. Right. You know. Anyhow. Yeah, with the gone with the Pope thing. All I remember was that I saw the trailer with the bit where he's with the. Uh, the hooker, the black, the oh yeah, black hooker, and, and he looks goes, at her pubic hair. Yeah, and he goes, looks like, like a Brillo, Brillo pad, yeah, like a Brillo pad. And I was like, I, I'm like, I gotta see this just because it. 
but that was I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was great. But yeah, um, Grindhouse have... puts out some like American Hippie and Israel. They put out some weird stuff. Like, and that's the thing. It's good that they're doing stuff like that. I know. I got. I have the Blu-ray of like Massacre Mafia style and Gone with the Pope. I need to like review those too. Anyhow, so we have Kirby's verdict, yeah. which is to be decided to be de- to be determined well, and i want to kind of put an end cap on that kind of how i did with young frankenstein again the adventures of buckaroo bonsai across the eighth dimension it was something as a kid i saw the trailers for and i knew that i had to see the movie and when i saw it i was very lukewarm on it um i didn't get it i didn't mm-hmm. understand it i didn't i didn't even know if i liked it or not i mean it was almost the same reaction that you had yeah because that's the way i feel Right now, that it was really confusing for the most part. When I when I did finally see the extended version with the the opening of it, I wish it would have kind of kept that tone to it, because it, it kept it real grounded and kind of you know put a blanket around the whole film. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think no. it's a fun movie. I don't know. I've never seen it in a theater experience. Uh, other than you know what we've done at the house here, but I mean that's just friends just sitting around watching a movie. Uh, you know I don't know if I want to see it with like a big crowd, and I think you're you're right that I don't know if like it would be em- embraced by uh, a, a wider audience well, for he, a screening. Yeah, because I think Cause that's even been proven a couple times. I know that I think Harkins has done it for like the five dollar theater yeah. thing. Um, you know I didn't go, so I don't know what the turnout was, but I don't think they really care about the turnout. No, it just it's programming for Tuesday nights. Yeah, and there have been a couple other you know independent showings of it that just really didn't do all that well. But I don't know if that's because of promotion. My whole I don't thing, know what, I, but I think it's just it's hard to promote because it's weird. To, the trailers for it are not very good. Right. Yeah. And I think also when you watch the movie, I feel like it's very much a movie of its time because one of the things you because one, you do have to pay attention to what's going on in the movie because it's not so much the aliens that are a threat in the movie. It's the Jamaicans have a way to neutralize the John's plan, but it'll simulate a nuclear a first launch nuclear yeah, so you've blast. Got, you've already lost yeah, everybody yeah. at that point. It's based on the Cold War. The Cold War. You have to understand the Cold War and where we were at at that point in the eighties. True. Yeah, and then you and have I think to... that's part. That was part of the reason why uh, they changed the changed Watchmen. Well, and you have to you have to put in like the whole War of the Worlds radio broadcast yeah. and on top of that. So it is a, it is somewhat of a product of its time because I even remember I think there was some anniversary around that time of the broadcast. Yeah, and so maybe that was part of the inspiration. I think to it kind was of like fifty years in. or something. Then, uh, so. You know, I was already well aware of it because I was like a big, uh, you know, the radio dramas and stuff were really, I was focused yeah. on that too. as just a supplement if I wasn't seeing a movie or whatever. Uh, speaking of which, I was tasked to see Hausu, yes. or originally titled Hausu, um, later just to be known as House, the 1977 version, not the William Cat 1986 I think it's 85. 85, 86. Which, yeah, just equally. One of my favorite films of all time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, I, for a while, I was really invested into uh, Japanese to horror movies. Yeah. Uh, I think that that stemmed from even going as far back as, um, like, Ozu and and, uh, Kurosawa 
and then when there was the um, the whole thing with like uh, Ringu and uh, Pulse and and when what that when was that was like what two thousand somewhere around there two thousand two for the Ring yeah. the Grudge was two thousand four yeah um you know the oh gosh there were so many that I was watching or I was just trying to grab and I would what you would have to do at that time before Hollywood was picking up on it is you had to go online. Um, I can't remember what source I went through. Sometimes it was through eBay, and you would just start looking for this stuff, or it would be through some independent uh, uh, distributor, and not even that. It'd be somebody who's probably in their garage, just you know, firing these off, and might be bootleg you know, cam version, yeah. bootleg conventions, Comic Con conventions, circa yeah. nineteen ninety one. So I w- I was just soaking it all in. I was just. I was loving every minute of it because at that particular time, I don't remember horror being very interesting uh, in the U.S. Yeah. So to see something that was really unseen, uh, you know, and then that that transgressed into uh, uh, Mickey and stuff like that. But I have never heard of this movie before, and I'm surprised. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you be surprised that, I mean, House... Uh, Basically broke open the doors and went against the convention, uh, conventions, conventions of Japanese film. Mm -hmm. And I was I was kind of reading up a little bit more after I saw the film that uh, what he did and how he 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 made this movie uh, was completely grassroots and a real struggle because he he did a lot of uh, commercial work. And a lot of commercials, and if you did commercials, the Japanese uh, movie companies and didn't really see you as an auteur and or uh, a film director. They didn't want to cross over that genre. So by just having he sold the script, and uh, then or the or the, you know, the screenplay. So then it took him two years before he could actually get it put to film but he he went on his own crusade to bring it to the college kids because he knew that this was something that the younger people would gravitate toward because it it was more appealing to them and so it was there was magna mangas god what is wrong with my speech today there were radio dramas there were all these things um that kind of told uh toyo to you know put this out and do it and he did and I was slightly bored, but I appreciate it for what it was, mm-hmm. and I could totally see what it was. Before I did any research afterwards, when I watched it, I felt like I was watching uh, like a, a, a kid's movie, like Ghostbusters was for us, where it was kind of scary and weird, mm-hmm. um, but not so much overboard in either direction, whereas gory. Yeah. Uh so it was it was fantastical and there there are fantasy elements to it but there are kind of some little freaky like just kind of off elements the piano playing and and different things where you know it it would have freaked me out as a kid yeah uh as an adult i can see uh where it influenced people like sam raimi um and and a lot of different directors after that point because of the uh different elements that were used in order to make what would have been pretty straightforward 
and then just flip it on its head and turn it over and then shake it and then you know throw it across the room and 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 put it on its head you know i always think the um the uh one line description of dario argento directing a scooby-doo episode is oh, yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah. the yeah. most spot-on assessment i've ever heard and i actually saw it um during the road show at madcap um, I actually saw it right before I left for South America for a few weeks. So that kind of left some weird dreams for the first couple of days. Was that the um, first time you saw it? Yeah, for, it was the first time it anybody was, had yeah, seen it. Yeah, it was forgotten for a long time. Yeah. And then when I saw it, like I saw it twice out here. I saw it at Madcap, and I saw it at the Ferrelli Cinema Supper Club. I actually drove out to L.A. one time to see it because it was playing at the Egyptian Theater mm-hmm. as a double feature with... Um, Another Janus Criterion movie called Goke Body Snatcher from Hell, mm-hmm. um, which if you've seen like Kill Bill and you see how like they do the airplane spinning around the globe when she's flying, that's lifted straight out of that movie. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies where Quentin Tarantino like cherry picks stuff. Right. But um, I thought that was like a really good double feature. Um, I I really enjoy this movie. Actually, it's funny to me. Like uh, one of the movies that Cult Epic sent me to, to review, a uh, School of the Holy Beast. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it has some like elements that are also in uh, Houseu, and I didn't realize like they must be like stock elements because like um the the white cat representing ghosts right is like a clearly like a Japanese folk element because mm-hmm. that happens a lot in School of the Holy Beast. And, like, this whole thing of, like, um, people being haunted by what happened, like, it, uh, during World War II to the Japanese, like, that is, like, also a recurring theme in a lot yeah. of... Because he said that was, that was a big thing that they were incorporating into the script was um, the post-traumatic of, you know, the World War II. Yeah. Uh, and, um, oh, gee, I'm trying to remember one of the, some of the other stuff. Oh, the, most of the script was written by his 10-year-old daughter. Yeah. So a lot of the inspiration came from his from his daughter. Yeah. Saying, what would you like to see in a movie? Or that he was also I, I don't know, I'm just I like maybe I like the 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 background of the movie more mm-hmm. than the movie itself. Well, I I got to say too. I feel it, it, there's a lot of films and I would say this especially as a huge aficionado, it's my favorite thing and a big part of my life is horror. But I can't be a complete apologetic. I have to point out some of the stuff and that's a, that a lot of horror films are pretty boring especially from the 70s and 80s yeah they're not particularly exciting movies sure. it's part of the visual style the art and for how sue for me it was just that if i ever got bored with it which there were times i did mm-hmm. there was just around the corner i'm like what the fuck was that like mm-hmm. i was not expecting that in the least mm-hmm. and um just kind of interesting it's like uh, there's a show you know something else i thought of when i watched how sue actually was that um, I didn't grow up watching them, but I actually watched them as an adult when I was in college was most of the Sid and Marty Croft shows. Uh-huh. And that's actually what I that's thought of a I lot of, when yeah. I watched yeah. Houseu was there was a lot of like HR Puffin stuff and Lidsville and well, a lot I, of these weird, I, it's like a drug. They always used to always say, no, it's, there's no drugs here going on except for the people who are watching it that are taking them. But it's, it's such a like mind trip, like just the imagery so the brights and then yeah. like how bright it got and then right. just the weird like cut out body yeah. parts it's just bizarre well that was looking. that was one of the things too because like i'd seen the trailer for house and i was like super into it and i remember before it played anywhere out here um the person who like booked it out here i knew was a big fan of like that whole lidsville sid and marty croft thing and i'm like 
dude, you should totally check book this movie because it's totally that, but on acid. And that's one of the things I liked about it, like the weird, like, because it is like li- like the one kid trapped in the crazy fantasy world. Let's make that a horror movie. Yep. It's totally what it feels like. Yeah. Well, that yeah. It, it, so yeah, what he was putting together the the script and like he was that's what he well he first he was tasked to do uh, the Japanese version of Jaws try and get something that got everybody in. Mm-hmm. So the first thing he did was talk to his 10-year-old daughter saying, what what type of things would you like to see in a movie that, that scare you? Yeah. So almost like every single element of that was like put in. Um, and then, you know, then they formed the kind of the, the whole structure of it with the, you know, the woman that was in the house. And I I really did like the buildup. I loved the color palette of it. Yeah, I loved too. Um, kind of... Th- well, the the odd skies in it, they mm-hmm. weren't, I mean, I think they were just either matte paintings. Um, I really appreciated how he was basically pioneering the, the, the introduction of the chroma key into film. Yeah. I mean, you could kind of see the little blue outlines from yeah. the, the blue screen, but to incorporate uh, the television elements, the, the girl dissolving in the, in the water mm-hmm. was, I thought was really effective. So I mean, I, you know, we we have it. We have it on Criterion. I loved the whole background of it. Um, I don't know if I'd watch it again anytime soon, soon. Mm-hmm. But maybe just it's to cool seeing with a crowd. Maybe. I'll say that much. Yeah, it was fun. Definitely see yeah. it theatrically. And I do like the magical realism aspects of it because there's a lot in there, and they're like really understated. Like when the um, father introduces the daughter to uh, hit the woman he wants to marry. Right. In the entire time, she's presented with this, like, blowing wind. Like, oh, yeah. so her yeah. scarf is always, even at the end when the other characters don't have that going on, she does. Right. And that's really, I thought, really subtle and understated. Yeah. How he kind of gave each character their own motif. Yeah, so maybe, maybe yeah. it's, you know, it's good to, to watch it in a different, in that different way. Maybe it is something that uh, unfolds different layers or mm-hmm. how how each characterization because they had their own nicknames all the girls had their own mm-hmm. nicknames like kung fu and beauty and yeah yeah and so they had their their specific things that they were i'm laughing more now because i'm just thinking of victor brob the tarantino cherry picking it's like god he really cherry picks everything that well i mean it's not in a ripoff kind no, of no, way no no it's no no like but a... he really does take things from films mm-hmm. i've always thought, i mean i've always liked the stuff he does i mean i'm a fan i'm, I'm not at all like a I mean, detractor that's i like just find it the... funny that you know he really finds obscure sources for stuff well to... it's just like exorcist part two the heretic which is to me i i like parts of that movie it's not a good sequel but the best thing it has going for it is it's a really awesome soundtrack and when I was watching like the Hateful Eight, and they use the key, the cue from that, the do 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 do, I was like, oh shit, like, yeah, that was good. Well, there's some great scenes yeah. in that movie, some great visuals that unfortunately are just, you know, John James Borman, Earl Jones in a bee outfit is not that. One that's of not one of them. Uh, <laughs> Locust, yeah, the yeah. um, the but yeah, it kind of looks like yeah. a bee when you originally watch it. Yeah. Um, there's some great makeup, some great visuals in that film. I mean, obviously, The Exorcist being my favorite film, and Exodus 3 being one of my other favorite films, it's really hard, but it's just one of those things where I just don't think they should have made that when they did. I think if they had made it in the 80s, I think they would have had a lot more luck. Um, but it is very visually striking in some parts and a great score. I d- mm-hmm. totally agreed on that. But 
Um, I just find films, it's interesting to think, even I, the reason that kickstart my head is even when you said it's nothing new, especially in the Japanese culture, the team oriented structure with nicknames yeah. and stuff, especially of girls, uh, preteen girls mm-hmm. in Japanese out schoolgirl outfits. But it's like, I don't know. I just kind of look at that. It is that. interesting too. When you look at it, there's a lot of like little things that tell you a bit about society and where it was like the fact that, um, the girls are surprised that the coach, their their coach hasn't been married yet, you know. Like you're you're teaching and you're not married, you know. It's <laughs> yeah. like almost a throwaway thing, but like now it totally sticks out like a sore thumb. It's like what's so weird about that, really? You right. Know? Yeah. 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 So overall, yeah. No, I'd give it a. I want to yeah. see the smile and peace sign. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. That's what I wanted to see. Yeah, so I thought that I, I wanted to see that's the seal of approval for. Well, no, it of, is. It is an important uh, uh, film in there. Uh, uh, what is wrong with my words today? <laughs> Use my adult words. Get flustered. Uh, addition to the Criterion family, it is well deserved to be amongst. Yeah, all those films. Yeah, because Criterion's a uh, part of their mission has always been to unearth films and preserve them and the transfer is beautiful I yeah mean, there's there's not even one little tiny little anything in there you know, I so. know speaking of that like i just got uh that the jellyfish eyes that jumbo mizuni i think uh, and from criterion i need to watch that and do a review of it because it looks really interesting seems along those lines yeah sweet junko mizuno i mean that's it <laughs> Well, hopefully we can do this again. Mm-hmm. This is definitely an interesting experiment. In, yeah, uh, no, to hear, and there's like, so many you know, films. I mean, right. I've always tried to do the AFI thing and a lot of the other, you know, banned films and censored films. And yeah, eventually I patchwork piecemeal my way through the bulk of them. But it's kind of cool to do a film, yeah, that people most people haven't seen. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, I kind of feel. But you think like, they have. Right. Given like our focus on the website and what we do with like the movies, it's good that we like try to fill in these holes of more obscure movies. I mean, I like that that's kind of a focus on like a lot of the re- movies we've been reviewing too, mm-hmm. versus just like you know reviewing the hottest thing or you know yeah we're not you just, know you know off we're doing a we're you anything. know I think I feel like it's filling a different niche you know agree yeah cool yeah. So that was an interesting experiment, I would say, and right. we'll have to do that again. Yeah, we're we're just we're we're I think we're stumbling now because we're shocked that we're not you know an hour and forty five minutes into this. Oh no, I mean <laughs> we're, we're clearly we're we're like you know about an hour and a half is where we usually go, but I feel like we were kind of like covering a lot of stuff and but intelligently, you know. We got every- that should be our our literal motto covering no, stuff you know, you know, but intelligently sometimes <laughs> like like i think feel like last time or the time before it's like oh let me go through you super quickly liked it like it like it you know we each got we got a little in depth on everything well it's it's you gotta divvy them up i mean i i i'm gonna push try to get more stuff on the site that i'm watching or reviewing um and trying to not just go over everything because i do feel rushed a lot of the times but i think it's also because you know don't want to go bloat too much on 
the time especially it's better when we get to focus on one movie we've all seen yeah. and then maybe like one that we watch that may everyone else hasn't seen so we can recommend it to each other and the viewers or listeners yeah we do have viewers now actually as we yeah we're call. trying out this youtube thing so except hey. me because i'm super camera shy but <laughs> uh the uh yeah all right go what we got going on victor for oh yeah what's going next up? uh <sighs> few weeks so, I mean, we have Goonies on Saturday, and or that's... Like one ticket left? Oh, uh, yeah. That's essentially sold out, but, you know, so we'll just call that sold out, because I'm really... I am doubt that that one ticket is going to be around any <laughs> longer than now. Um, and then we have Mortal Kombat on the 20... That's next Friday. That's also sold out. Um, I'm trying... I'm trying to confirm a movie that we might do at the grid right before ZapCon... So I'm trying to book a like a, an Arizona premiere, like a cool mm-hmm. arcade documentary, oh, but uh, wow. I'm not gonna say any more unless it actually happens. So uh, tease. Yeah, and other than that, um, you know, we'll have a movie on Record Store Day, April 16th. Yes, April 16th, and then Purple Rain 2. No, well, I'm sure it'll be something music related, and then uh, we'll have another uh, jump cut at the end of. April, and then hopefully we'll have some more programming stuff during the summer that we can expand on. So, definitely, until, yeah. So keep checking it. Check out Cult Classics AZ uh, this Saturday. I'm sure there'll be tickets, and they'll probably sell out fast. So, you know, that's how it, that's how it goes. That's how it works. Yeah, you know, don't slump because we're we're on fire. Or you'll right be now. a chump. Yeah, and I would say, oh, like I said, uh, check out cultfollowing.co on Tuesday. We'll have a review up of. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Check out cultfollowing.co now for reviews of They Look Like People, Pieces, Luther the Geek, and I'm sure we'll have some more up during the week. Um, I think we'll have a review of Allegiant, the Divergent Saga, up this week at some point. And, uh, you know, uh, other than that, I'm one of your three hosts. For this lovely edition, I'm Victor Marino, along with Adam Rakowski. Meow! And Kirby Nelson. And until next time, stay dry, be a good locust, and resist the brushing of the wind. There you go.